Hello and welcome to the Treehouse Letter, where we're always learning with a bit of fun. This is Milan Shatton, your host and producer uh, for today's podcast, which is titled Involved and Implicated, Narcissism and Poetry. If you're like me, you can use a bit of poetry. I've had a few days to consider this collection, its aftershocks, surprised at my evolving response. Tony Hoagland's What Narcissism Means to Me arrived last week, and I read it in one afternoon. The poems made me stop and rethink, calibrate to a new heading, see the glass not as half empty or half full, but see outside the glass and what it is made of, where it is sitting, who filled it and why. Maybe it wasn't even glass. Here is a passage. We were drinking beer with the sound off, watching the figures on the screen. The bony blondes, the lean-jawed guys, who decorate the perfume in the cars. The pretty ones the merchandise is wearing this year, Alex said. I wish they made a shooting gallery using people like that. Greg said, that woman has a PhD in face. <laughs> These are lines from Commercial for a Summer, Commercial for a Summer Night on page five. That's a fun flip. The pretty people that are, that the merchandise is wearing, humans as a decor for the products. It reminds me of the dog walking the human whose schedule revolves around the dog's bowel movements when the human tethered to the animal follows up after picking up excrement with a hand sheathed in the day's newspaper plastic. I mean, who's in charge, really? <laughs> How timely is this passage in Argentina? Quote, And in Argentina, after the elections, we hear the old president won't leave office. Literally, they say, they can't get him out of the office. He's in there with his little private army, eating caviar, squandering state money on call girls and porno movies. And if you've done any therapy at all, I think you'll see the analogy. And that's a poem entitled Argentina on page nine. Can you stand silent and still while hearing the worst of yourself from others? Maybe there is a kernel of truth in what they say. And if you're being a teeny bit honest, more than a colonel. Here are passages. Quote, success is the worst possible thing that could happen to a man like you, she said. Because the shiny shoes and flattery and the self-lubricating slime of affluence would mean you'd never have to face your failure as a human being. <laughs> While I smiled and listened to her talk, thinking it was good to let myself be stabbed by her little spears because I wanted to see what I was made of besides fear and the desire to be liked by every person on the goddamn face of the earth. And anyway, she was right about me, that I am prone to certain misperceptions, that I should never get so big or fat that I, I can't look down and see my own naked, dirty feet. I knew that if I could succeed at being demolished, I could succeed at anything. And those are excerpts, lines from Patience on page 32. 
I mean, who are you really? When you're not consumed with the desire to be liked. And what are your misperceptions that, I mean, that is if you have any, can you stand to be demolished by someone close to you? By someone who knows and sees you better than yourself? To let yourself be stabbed by all the little spheres? Do you ever have it wrong? So god-awful off the mark that you cringe at your own silliness, at the years of mistaken words meaning truth? In his poem, Two Trains, Hoagland writes about, writes how he thought the song, Two Trains Running, was about trains. And then someone told him it was about a man and a woman under the covers. Then for a long time, he thought it was about sex. Until Max said the song was about Jesus. How he, capital H, is running with you. A kind of gospel song. Then, after Hoagland quit his job in Santa Fe, and, quote, Sharon drove her spike heel through my heart, unquote, and Dean moved away, he thought the song was about goodbyes. <laughs> the feeling in the song is about grief. What it is, quote, to love some people like your own blood, and then to see them simply disappear, to feel time bearing us away one boxcar at a time, unquote. And poems are like songs taking on meanings and feelings based on unique experiences and beliefs. They mean different things to different people. They mean different things to the same people at different times in their lives. Nouns of abstraction. Here's a stanza from the book's third section called Blues. Quote, that's what I like about disappointment the way it slows you down when the querulous, insistent chatter of desire goes dead calm." Unquote. The poet in this poem is on a bridge and looking out at the gray water and the poem opens in the first person, quote, I was feeling pretty religious. And then it moves to the third person, how, quote, he didn't get the job or her father died before she told him that one most important thing, unquote. And then it ends with second person, implicating the reader, you and me. Quote, you just have to stand there looking out on the water in your trench coat of solitude with your scarf of resignation lifting in the wind. And those are lines from Disappointment on page 58 and 59. I love these nouns of abstraction, the trench coat of solitude or the scarf of resignation. You stand there alone, weighing human notions of what it feels like to be religious and to be disappointed. Because at the poem's close, the reader, you and I, we're implicated. Involved versus implicated. As readers, as humans, should we be implicated? Involved is what we are as careful readers. At the very least, the thoughtful reader assumes the poet's words for the duration of the reading. We put on his coat and scarf. We inhabit his mind and his life. Involved means concerned and caring. Involved is about being present in the moment of reading. Now, implicated 
means charged, somehow, complicit, somehow, responsible. Implicated means more. It means we see ourselves as culpable and guilty, an accomplice to such thought or action. We have a level of understanding beyond mere reading of the words, a recognition of others, of ourselves. Implicated means, in these passages, we are the decor in our fancy new car or shoes, that our fast denial and faster rebuttal cover a deep down resemblance to a rebuke or critique, that we have misconstrued, misconstrued meaning of the message as Hoagland does with the two trains, or that we too have felt the cold and hard loneliness of disappointment. That's the end of the podcast. Um, please visit treehouseletter.com where I have footnotes, a uh, link to the collection of poetry by Tony Hoagland published in 2003, uh, titled What Narcissism Means to Me, as well as uh, what is even more interesting in this experience for me, which was a full syllabus of David Foster Wallace's a lit class where he mentioned and required this text in his reading for his students. Uh, also in the footnotes is um, some word work that I did um, on the words involved, implicated, and such. Um, anyway, as always, thank you for listening. Uh -huh.